You're listening to MTL Bike Thief, Episode 4, a pod play about rebellion and bike theft during Montreal's summer of protests. Be warned, it's full of swearing, violence, and terrible jokes. Remember, it's meant to be taken in the spirit of good humor, even if you don't think it's very funny. Chapter 14, A Simple Sauna. Plant had barely left the apartment when Sarah went diving through the couch cushions to answer her phone. After a quick glance, she finally realized that she had five missed calls from Sam. A binge was exactly what she needed, or wanted. Sarah often confused the two, so she grabbed what amounted to mostly her bike and ran from the apartment, leaving the door unlatched. As she burst through the front door of the building, she unknowingly passed Plant greedily digging into his chocolate bar. She breezed down St. Urban in her usual cautious manner until finally Sarah found herself outside a familiar place, ready for a drink to calm her racing heart. But as she stepped up to Rick's Wrong side of the street, hun. Her attention was called across the road, where Sam sat in a bubblegum pink dress on a bench inside the pedestrian-only section of St. Catherine Street. This way. Sam led her down the road, passing under an archway of plastic pink balls that gave the village a little dab of wholly unnecessary color. Sarah's heart quickened, feeling a little like Alice fumbling down a fabulous rabbit hole. After a few minutes, they stopped in front of a boys-only spa, ham-fistedly called the Priapic Oasis. Subtlety was not their strong suit. Sarah finally stepped up beside Sam, waiting for an explanation. Holy hell, did you bathe in dog shit? Long story. What's going on? Good question. Sarah stared in utter confusion as Alain strolled back from the bathhouse. I know what you're thinking. Alain has finally come out of the closet and we're throwing him a party. What? No, Sam, tell her. Tell her, uh, me, what? Why is he here? Why is I here? Am, fuck. Are you stoned? Are you? <laughs> a little. I called you here because I found Dom. Wait. Dom? The leather-bound biker dude? In an enclosed space? This sounds suspiciously like a stupid idea. Why don't we just call the cops? No, no cops. Sarah was surprised. Rarely had Sam and Alain ever agreed on anything. Sarah, calling the fuzz rarely solves anything in this part of town. He assaulted us, Sarah. I want answers. Assault's a strong word. I mean, he cleaned our clocks a little. Concussions! He gave us concussions. How are you not getting this? Oh, sweetie. You should not be drinking with a concussion. What are you, my neurologist? Oh my god. Ladies, if you don't mind, I went through a fair bit of trouble to track him down for you. The least you could do is follow through with it. No, the least I could do is say thank you, get shit-faced at your bar, and sing Celine karaoke all night. Tempting. As always, Sarah, you're free to do what's best for you. And with that, L.A. walked off towards the bathhouse, already boiling over with anger. A little hot-headed, ain't he? I think it's cute, but I really can't send him in there alone. He'll get post-traumatic dick syndrome. Now, I don't know what happened between you two, but I would suggest burying the hatchet for the time being. It doesn't matter that you got the bike back. What matters is that a six-foot-three muscle-bound dick with leather straps and posable thumbs punched a five-foot-two, 130-pound lady. So man up and go wait for us around the corner in the alleyway. Alleyway? If you don't have a pickle, you can't get a tickle. Or buy a ticket. We have to smuggle you in. Fine. Last time I do you a favor. Sarah watched them walk up to the front door of the Priapic Oasis, feeling the ever-growing, almost uncontrollable urge to turn tail. She wanted to be anywhere but here. She could grab a drink at a bar, or buy a few beers and take them to the park, or even go to the movies with a Mickey of vodka stashed in her bag. Was she beginning to sense a pattern? Fuck it. Sarah walked from the alleyway back towards the street, only to find... 
a delivery truck blocking her in. Fuck. As Sarah nursed her self-inflicted wound, she realized, finally, that she had no choice but to do the right thing. Honey, would you hurry the fuck up, please? Sarah reluctantly walked up to the door, surprised to find L.A. in a daze. What's wrong with him? So much gay sex. PTDS, post-traumatic dick syndrome. L.A. was from a conservative household. Buried deep inside him was a homophobic streak he was always keen to hide. This much overt human sexuality, hetero, homo, or otherwise, brought out the fear of God. Sam, Sarah, and L.A. wandered further and further into the maze of corridors, private rooms, steam baths, and spas that made up the surprisingly clean Priapic Oasis. Unfortunately, all three stuck out like sore thumbs, owing to their sex, state of heightened stress, and overabundance of clothes. Wait. What the fuck? Men in little white towels, and sometimes less, walked past, giving them confused looks. Where were their little white towels and phalluses at half-mast? Ale simply grew more and more uncomfortable with each passing minute. You know, if it weren't kind of cute how uncomfortable this makes you, it might be a little scary. It's just more dick than I'm used to seeing. You know, if you open your eyes and your mind a little, there's a lot of refreshment around you right now. Well, if I can be honest, this is not my crowd. Ale. All three turned suddenly to the open door of a sauna, where one wrinkly elderly man lay spread eagle. But what caught their eye was the young man behind them in a white towel with perfectly proportioned muscles and a chin so well-defined it could cut glass. Sarah noticed that, unlike the rest, this man had a messenger bag slung over his shoulder with a bright, ornate red square sewn over the cover. Sarah knew she'd seen him before. Will? I didn't know that you came here. For what felt like the longest moment in the history of awkward moments, Sarah watched Alain struggle to speak. Was he actually gay? Which would be fine, except for what it might mean to their relationship. Are you going to introduce us? Will's my TA. And there it was. This was the handsome young man she'd spoken to at Elaine's lecture. Pleasure. Like, pleasure to meet me, or was that a request? <laughs> oh, you cheeky bastard. Will, more than a little confused, stared at Sam, then Sarah, then back to Elaine. Well, I have a meeting. In a bathhouse? Sarah. Right. Well, it was nice to meet you. So much of you, in fact. Okay. And like that, Will was gone, leaving Alain beat red and incapable of speech. Oh, well, well. Alain, methinks thou dost protest too much. Chapter 15 Though I Walk Through the Shadow of the Valley of Dicks. Sarah, Sam, and Alain finally rounded their way through the hazy maze of particle board walls and steam baths to find themselves staring down a long, dark hallway. At the far end, a heavy metal fire door with the word security, always keep closed, propped open with a four-foot statue of Priapus, his most prominent feature used as the doorstop. In the distance, they could see a man pacing back and forth, talking heatedly into his phone. Exactly what he was saying, they could only imagine, but as the man stepped into the light, Sarah finally recognized his face. Oh, as promised. So what's the plan? What do you mean, what's the plan? What do you mean, what do I mean? What the hell are you two playing? Do neither of you have a plan? I didn't want to come. She dragged us here. Because you asked me to find them. I asked you to find my bike. Tomato, tomato. This morning when you came over, you inferred that you had a plan to confront him with. When have I ever had a plan? Do you not know me? Why would you assume that? Do something. Like what? Compliment him on the success of his establishment. Confront him. LA, a little help. What? For the first time, Sarah took a moment to actually look at Alain. 
He looked awful. Almost sick, like a man on the verge of some intestinal explosion with nary a bathroom at sight. What had she gotten him into? Ellie, we don't have to do this. Let's just... We can go home and talk with the police. No fuss. God, fine, no fuss, but honestly, what the hell are we doing here? Looking for evidence. Excuse me, but then we have the upper hand. So what? We just wait around all day in the hopes that he does something incriminating? No. And like that, Alain pointed down the hallway where Dom was stepping out from the office with a newspaper in hand. Before she could say another word, Alain was gone. He was focused, more take charge than usual. Sam followed Alain into the office, but Sarah lingered behind. What was he even hoping to find, she wondered. Bike parts? A signed confession? A little note that said, I did it, it was me. Sarah realized that she must have been thinking for a bit too long, and had barely noticed Dom's fatter, shorter, leather and chain clad sidekick, Seb, step up behind her. In his hands, a few pizzas and a box of Diet Cokes. On his face, the look of absolute and utter confusion. Sarah, assuming he could only see her, made a snap decision. Hey there, fat Seb! (laughs) Then, she bolted down the hallway. If nothing else, she could lead him away from Sam and Elaine. Sarah pushed past a few relaxed, naked men with the same grace and courtesy she showed while biking. Give me back my towel! Where she was going, she hadn't a clue. All she could hear apart from her own breathing was the telltale (laughs) coming up behind her. And so, as she rounded yet another hallway, Sarah could hear Seb slowing down in a sputter of... She took refuge in a dark room smelling of chlorine, lavender, and man love. Sarah finally had a moment to breathe, listening intently for Seb. And in catching her breath, she turned to face a large spa with a half dozen naked men in the midst of a medley of oral acts. In turn, eleven eyes all turned to face her. Uh, The last eye, seemingly lazy, remained focused on the uncircumcised Coke can three inches away from it. Sarah waited for a moment longer, taking in the mix of shock and awe. Finally, When she felt the coast was clear, all she could think to say was... As you were. ...before bolting from the room. The men, though dazed, returned to the aforementioned acts. Sarah continued down the hallway, leading to a fork that led to another fork and yet another fork. Lost, but not in chase, she could finally ask someone for directions. After stumbling into a room with a few slightly more well-dressed men, Sarah was surprised to spot... Will? ...the strikingly handsome T.A. from Alain's class... He looked back at her, again perplexed by her very presence. Sorry to bother you, but which way... Oh, God. Sorry. As if finally struck with the blessing of a third eye, Will pointed to her bag and the ever-present red square she'd stolen from Gauntlet. I didn't see it before, but okay, yeah, this, this makes sense. You must be new. At last, Sarah decided to play along, remembering that lying generally worked out better for her in the past. Yes! Yes, I am. So... I got a little lost, and I was hoping you could... Yeah, here, this way. Relieved, Sarah followed Will down a hallway to what she could only assume was the exit. Though worried about Alain and Sam, she figured they had a better chance of getting out than she did. They didn't have a homicidal biker bitch barreling down after them like a boulder chasing Indiana Jones. I know this seems weird, but I just... I got a little lost. Not at all. Just through here. Thank you so... What Sarah thought was a step into daylight was, in fact, a disused dry sauna filled with a half dozen young men and women. Well, students, if she was being honest. Their cell phones were all in a pile on the floor, each one with the battery and SIM card removed for security, in case Big Brother was after them. 
They all follow the same vaguely militaristic dress code accentuated by the same intricately designed red square sticker. The same one as Will. And as her. This is the rest of us. Everyone, this is Sarah. And then, a familiar odor crept its way back into her nose. Oh, God. Did someone shit themselves? Oh, wait. Sorry, that's probably me. Chapter 16, The Secret Society in the Spa. Sarah sat in silence in the middle of a cool wooden spa, staring blankly at the faces of the young 20-something red squares across from her. And what do you do? I do a lot of things. Will gave her a long, unflinching look, creating the second painful silence of the day. <laughs> I bike. I do IT work. Again, silence. She would need to take a risk and leap into the unknown. And in staring at the bright red square sticker spattered across their bags, she settled on. Godwin called me after his TA after Greg was taken out. And then a long, solemn pause from the group. Of course. He never told us he had a backup. That's the point of cells, right? They work independent of each other. Like blood cells? Sure, red blood cells. Independent, but still working together to destroy an infection. Sarah was fairly certain it was white blood cells that worked to kill infection, and that healthy blood cells worked together. But this was not the time to argue. We were a little worried we wouldn't meet our deadline. Uh-huh. But now we'll be all right, right? Uh, I mean, we were talking about the same deadline, right? You guys mean... Again, silence. Tomorrow night? Ah. Uh, Will they be online? His class notes? <laughs> well, the thing is, Godwin and I were having technical difficulties with the... the notes. Because of the breaks. The breaks? Yes. Because... they're missing? Was that a question? Nuh-huh. Assuming we can recover the breaks, everything else will be fine? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Good. Our friends at l'Université de Montréal and UCAM have already hidden the art supplies at the airport, the bridges into town, City Hall, the local and provincial police stations, the courthouses, and the STM public transit routes. All that's left is McGill. Fuck McGill. Fuck, Fuck McGill. McGill! Fuck McGill! And that bitch of a provost singling out student agitators like Margaret Thatcher's icy cold hand reaching out from the past to give us a prostate exam. Thatcher, Thatcher bitch! bitch! What is this? The 80s? The 80s! Because who needs a Harvard of the North, am I right? What a joke! I mean, after everything the McGill admin did to quash the student strike, they've cemented themselves firmly in the past. They don't deserve a place in the future. We've done our job. Everyone's ready. All we need now... Will pointed to his unique red square sticker, followed by the rest of the group. Feeling out of place, Sarah gently rubbed her own sticker, unsure of what this might accomplish. So, will it be live when we need it? Uh, um... The desire to run had returned with a sudden and painful vengeance. Sarah simply continued to smile as she stood up and stepped back. Yes, it will be. But right now, <laughs> I need to check uh, feed for bugs so that our squares are live. She could see in their eyes that she had lost them. The door opened, pushing Sarah to the side of the sauna. She could immediately hear the thump of his feet, the squeak of his leather, and the smell of his somehow vaguely western cologne that made her certain it was... John, what's up? I don't know if this calls for alarm, but Seb said he saw a putty tap. 
She hoped, naively, that no one would point out she was hiding behind the door. But one by one, they did. And so Dom stepped in to find Sarah, crouching with a weak, unconvincing smile. He did. He did see a pretty twat. This is Sarah, Godwin recruiting. Thing is, I don't think he did. As Dom stepped closer, Sarah did the only thing she could think of that might rouse a group of socially-minded 20-somethings. This man assaulted me! He stole my bike, and now it smells like shit! The conspirators stayed silent. No one budged an inch. These were not the usual social justice warriors easy to whip into a frenzy. Wait, that was your bike? Not her bike, but the bike she had. Now, where are the brakes, Sarah? The real ones. Okay, everyone, just take a big old chill pill and back the fuck up because I think there's been a misunderstanding. I have no idea what's going on. Somehow, I don't believe you. Trust me, at the best of times, she has no idea what's going on. Sarah was shocked to see Sam and Elaine step up behind Dom, even more so to see the four-foot privacy statue from the office, and finally absolutely flabbergasted to see Elaine take said statue and smash it over Dom's head. Sarah looked to Sam. Sam looked to Elaine. Elaine stared at the shattered dick on the floor. It was safe to say that Will and the conspirators were confused. Sam finally broke the silence with, So we should go. Chapter 17, A Watermelon Full of Bloody Worms The day had not started altogether that well for Seb. To begin with, the brakes they'd stolen were the wrong ones, a point Dom hammered home repeatedly, as if Seb had even a modicum of control over planning who they'd target. Sarah's bike, Alain's bike, it was an easy mistake to make. That wasn't my fault, right? He was the muscle, Dom was the brains, but the thing that bothered him the most was the extra seven pounds he'd apparently managed to put on in the last two weeks. <sighs> Seb was stressed. Stressed about the Red Squares marching in the streets and plotting in his bathhouse. Stressed about Godwin's promises and early demise. Stressed about the young girl he'd had to clock out and rob. Stressed because he took her bike break. Stressed because they were the wrong ones. Stressed because- Because I'm so damn stressed! And so, by the time 4.30 rolled around, his anxiety had translated into two all-dressed pizzas and a pallet of coke. As he wandered back into the bathhouse, worrying about where Dom's anger might lead them, he was instead greeted by- Fat Seb? This didn't help matters. In an instant, she ran off down the hallway with Seb reluctantly chasing after her. Why? He wasn't sure. But if she was running, she had something to hide, right? Before long, he'd lost her and nearly lost himself in the maze of private rooms and saunas. Then, a thought. If he was nearly lost... Then she definitely is. Thinking he'd follow the invisible eye in the sky, Seb hobbled back to the security room and started rolling back the sea of cameras. He finally found his fat and form chasing Sarah down the corridor, a bit like Indiana Jones running from the boulder. Then he saw her hide in a spa towards the front. Gotcha. Speeding the tape back to the present, he texted Dom and watched in rapid succession as Dom arrived at the door, followed closely by two other figures he couldn't identify. The man smashed a giant phallic idol over Dom's head. The three took off the wrong way, back into the maze of spas. If they were heading out, they could only be heading to one place, up the back passage. Seb grabbed the little box from under the desk and climbed out into the fire escape through the window. From there, he surveyed the alley, brick wall at one end, delivery truck at the other. 
If he had planned it, it couldn't be more perfect. And so, Seb waited patiently, sitting at the base of the fire escape, assembling the contents of the package. As if on cue... All right, ideas. Back to the bar. What? No, Sarah, I need to talk to you in private. It wasn't until he'd fallen over that either one noticed the wires leading back to the stun gun in Seb's hand. Or Seb, for that matter. Before either one could react, Seb slid down the ladder, landing atop Seb. And while reloading the cartridge in his stun gun, Seb saw an abject fear fill Sarah's eyes. Talk was not his forte. Action was. To both their surprise, the leads from the stun gun only pierced her bag. The two shared a look before Sarah dropped her bag and bolted for the crack between the truck and the Where wall. Are the brakes? Only to get stuck between the two. Oh, fuck. Seb took this as a good sign. His prey had nowhere to run, and he had all the time in the world to fuck with her. He pulled her out from the wedge and pinned her against the wall. Where are the brakes? Where are the brakes? He had little patience for her bullshit, or the real shit he assumed was filling her pants. Then she planted her foot directly in his groin. While Sarah wriggled away, Seb struggled to stand upright, feeling a sudden, fresh surge of adrenaline before he'd only wanted to catch her. But now, he was going to kill her. She struggled to climb over the truck despite having the upper body strength of a child. Seb grabbed her by the back of her pants and flung her down to the ground. After a clean kick to the stomach, Sarah was writhing around in pain. Where's the brakes at? Seb relished this moment, reaching around his waist to undo the chain wrapped like a belt. He turned back, only to find her missing, or rather, not find her. What the fuck? By the time he realized she'd crawled under the truck, Sarah had already made it halfway to the street. Luckily for Seb, she snagged her shirt on the undercarriage. Seb smiled as he crawled under the truck, this time grabbing her leg and pulling her back. What neither he or Sarah noticed was that the driver had returned to the truck. By the time they realized something had happened, the engine had turned on and both shared a desperate look of fear. Sarah lay flat on the ground like a possum feigning death, and Seb stared at her. He realized that no amount of laying flat would keep his pretentious belly from touching the undercarriage. As the truck pulled away, Seb's chain got caught shit, in the rotating shit, shit. drive shaft. What Seb didn't expect was that his chain, worn around the waist like a belt, would twist him around sideways, spinning him perpendicular to the truck. Shit, 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 shit! Ah! The truck rolled over Seb's head, popping it like a watermelon full of bloody worms. Sarah lay flat in the alley ground, covered in blood and brains and bits of skulls, slowly muttering to herself, hoping this was all a dream. Sadly, she knew it wasn't when she heard a passerby loudly exclaim, Holy shit! This apparently was her life now. Violence, rebellion, and death. While struggling to find the courage to move, she couldn't help but wonder what she'd be doing right now if she'd only stayed home. She'd probably be passed out, warm and comfy on her couch. She'd made her choice, and she'd have to find a way to live with it. Or die trying. Either way, she figured it was probably time to get out of Seb's puddle of brain goo. Thank you for listening to MTO Bike Thief and the wonderful cast that includes Adrienne Richards, Eric Davis, Matthew Keyes, Corey Tomimic, Don Ford, Jonathan Dubsky, Jesse Sherman, Wyatt Bowen, Alex Gravenstein, Todd Fennell, and Simon Peacock. 
narrated by Daniel K. Engineering by Michael Fitch at Studio 2MO. Original score by Michael Fitch. Additional tracks, including Funkorama, C-Funk, Protofunk, Funk Game Loop, Back Vibes, As I Figure, Bass Walker, Fast Talking, Controlled, Chaos, One-Eyed, Maestro, Pop Goes, The Weasel, Anxiety, Prelude in Action, Too Cool, Cold Funk, Back on Track, Cool Rock, Just Nasty, Dub Eastern, Anguish, DD Groove, Longing and Concern, all provided by Kevin McLeod. Acoustic Blues, Ice Cold Namaste, provided by Audiotronics, and Direct Video, provided by Chris Zabriskie. All of these I should mention are provided under a Creative Commons license, so thank you. You like what you hear? Well, keep listening and tell your friends. Hate it? Tell your friends it's great and watch their excitement melt away as you laugh in ironic judgment, you sick son of a bitch. The next episode can be found exactly where you found this one, so good luck.